it's time for another episode of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes. Here's your host, Terrence McCauley. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes right here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. My guest today is Nicole Prewitt. She is a corporate marketing manager in her day job. Uh, in 2023, her novel, Hearts Divided, won the Sisters in Crime Eleanor Taylor Land Award for Crime Fiction Writers of Color. She is currently querying her novel, Hearts Divided. Nicole, thank you so much for being here and congratulations on such a big win. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, of course. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Hearts Divided? Yeah, yeah. So Hearts Divided is about Nima Hart. Uh, she is a thief turned PI living in Milwaukee, Wisconsin with her wife, Jeannie Hart. Uh, they own a detective agency slash therapy office where they focus on love crimes. So they help women um, be, uncover their cheating husbands and then help them process that betrayal through therapy. Um, okay. And the book starts out with them on the verge of uh, separation, on the verge of divorce. Um, and through the book, you know, some bad stuff happens, things get a little complicated, and they find their way back to each other, hopefully, kind of. <laughs> sort of, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, too much away, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's not a, it's definitely not a, a happily ever after ending, a happy for now, you know, they're okay. <laughs> Right, right. And they, yeah, exactly. And I think that's exactly why you won the um, the award, because you've got such a unique story there. What was your inspiration for writing a, a tale like this in, in the way that you've written it? Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know, I feel like this may kind of take away some of my creative chops, but uh, I actually started out with writing romance. Um, and mm -hmm. I wrote a couple of romance novellas um, maybe like five or six years ago under a different pen name. Um, and I came out of that realizing like, I didn't even know how to sell these books. And like uh, in the romance genre, like it's very hard to drag a romance out for 80,000 words, or at least I have a problem doing that. Um, so right. when I was coming up with like an idea for my next project, um, since marketability had been an issue with my last like romance novellas, I started looking around at editors and, um, you know, agents to see like, what types of ideas are they looking for? So I looked at one editor, she had an MSWL that was like, there were maybe like 50 different things on it. Um, and one was a criminal turned PI or a criminal turned law enforcement, something like that. Okay. Um, and own voices. And those were her own, like the only two things that like stuck out to me. Um, so those were like the, the nuggets of inspiration. Um, and then right. from there, I kind of just started with the character. So like, what would this character look like living in Milwaukee, being a PI? Um, and then I had a sort of climactic event come to me. So I knew what the climax would be before I started plotting out the entire novel. Um, and I right. basically just worked from there of like, how do I get to that point? How does this one character get to this one big climactic event? Um, and that's how, that's how it came together. Wow. <laughs> fantastic. Now, 
They, uh, it sounds like the marketplace definitely affected your creative process. Would that yeah. be accurate? Yeah, definitely. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we all mm -hmm. get inspiration from different things and you may have enjoyed writing the romance novels. And if that was a, a valued pursuit to you in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with that. But you saw what was going on in the marketplace and it sounds like you adapted your creativity to that. Um, what was that journey like for you, switching from one genre that you were reasonably comfortable with into another one, like uh, private investigative fiction? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was actually really easy um, and made more sense, essentially, because I think I, I've always enjoyed reading romance novels. But again, just the idea of dragging out a romance of two characters meeting and falling in love for 80,000 words I have a really right. hard time like plotting that out um, and I like the mystery genre because it is more plot driven there's a lot um, you know beyond the sort of like emotional journey the characters are going on there's a lot of other action happening um, and I'm also like a huge fan of not necessarily crime fiction I hadn't read a lot of crime like I read pretty broadly but I hadn't read a lot of crime before starting this um, but okay. I watch a lot of crime I watch okay. a ton of crime. So I grew up watching a lot of true crime TV shows and um, procedurals with my father growing up. Um, and okay. it's my favorite thing to watch, essentially. Um, so that was kind of the inspiration I was pulling from all of those shows that I've watched um, over the years. Right. Yeah. Well, again, inspiration comes from a variety of mm -hmm. forms. Uh, now, does the crime in your uh, novel, did, was that inspired by uh, any kind of true crime event that you had seen in any of those shows, or did you put your own unique spin on it? Um, a little bit. So I think it's going to be really hard for people to tell that this book is inspired by this show, but the TV show Leverage was a huge inspiration mm -hmm. for me because that show is about a group of criminals that are essentially do-gooders. Um, so that was partly the inspiration. And then for the mm -hmm. actual crime that happens in the story, I don't think there were any shows that inspired that. Um, but I will say like the, the issue it tackles is something that um, I've seen play out in new stories in Milwaukee. Um, so okay. just like real life stuff um, rather than than TV shows. Right. And you set the book in the uh, Midwest, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's set in Milwaukee. Right. So you got inspiration from the marketplace. You changed genres and you set it in a place that, you know, it sounds yeah. like that's that's rule 101 for how to create a really uh, compelling story you wrote what you knew and that's yeah. uh, that's an that's an important thing for a lot of emerging writers to understand that you don't have to go too far outside the box but if you take your experiences and make them part of the story or yeah. especially you living in Milwaukee that mm -hmm. makes a difference doesn't it yeah yeah and it's so funny that it took me so long to get to that point because I feel like a a lot of writers they tend to start there but mm -hmm. most of my writing was writing stuff I really like I liked writing about people that were very different from me living in places different than where I lived 
Um, and this is the first time I'm writing about someone who, I mean, I've never been a PI. Um, right. so, <laughs> so she's not that right. much like me <laughs> and I'm not married. Sure. So <laughs> like, that's not, there's a lot that's, uh, not the same, but it's the first time right. where I'm like, oh, I'm actually pulling from real life experiences in the city I live and the family members I have and, um, things like that. So, and it does provide like, um, an added layer to, to what you're writing on. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm, I know it does. Yeah. That, that really helps. When you uh, created this manuscript, you wrote it and you submitted it for um, the prize that you won. W what made you feel that this was something that might have legs? What was the moment, was there a particular moment where you said, I think this is not only ready for public view, but uh, it might be good enough to win this prize? Um, so, I didn't, I definitely didn't go on thinking I was winning because uh, like it's a national prize. So I was like, oh my God, I'm going against like um, so many people. Um, mm -hmm. But I think one, the thing that made me realize the story could have legs is that when I talked to people about that initial concept of like a PI or a detective agency slash therapy office people always mm -hmm. respond to that they were always like oh that's interesting so that's like what kept me writing it because I'm like okay right it's a very like high level concept that like people seem to be interested in um mm -hmm. and then this uh manuscript I've been working on it for quite a long time and I have a critique group I've been part of actually two different critique groups where um I've gotten the feedback and the responses from other writers and incorporated their feedback into my writing. So I knew like those um, first few chapters that we submit for that, uh, for the uh, award were pretty strong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, based on just like the other writers feedback. Right, that kind of validation is awfully important, especially when you're not sure if you have something there. Yeah, uh, that kind of critique really validates it for you, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it's just they they provide such valuable feedback that you can incorporate to make your your work stronger. Right, it, it's always good to get that as early on as possible. What was how did you feel when you finally got the news that you won this award, the Eleanor <laughs> Taylor Bland Award. I can only imagine as a past winner of a contest myself, you can't really describe that feeling, but I was hoping you might be able to. <laughs> yeah, it was just so exciting, like unbelievable. I didn't, I had been um, refreshing that page where they had <laughs> the old winners <laughs> like every day. And like, I had like researched all of the previous winners and like seeing the trajectory of their careers. So I was just like, I was like really hopeful and like just waiting for it and to, to actually win it was unbelievable really. Um, and it came with a monetary award and that's, mm -hmm. this is the most money I've ever made from my writing ever so right <laughs> it's really amazing to me um for sure I would imagine it is yeah it's uh there are two types of writers in the world those who admit that they refresh constantly when they're up for an award and those who won't admit it that's oh, the only two in my opinion yeah. you know like even you if you've been doing this a long time yeah you, 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 you always want to see that right yeah 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 I was super eager for it and then um, yeah, I got the email late at night and 
uh, I think I had been out and came back to my inbox and saw it and they had like everything that came with it. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. I had to tell everyone I knew um, about it, so. No, it's a, it's a, it's quite an accomplishment. It really is. Um, now, when how would you describe your process for writing the book or this book as opposed to your romance novels that you've done in the past? Do you uh, have an outline that you follow or do you more or less allow the story to take you where it's going to go as you're writing it? Um, I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle. So mm -hmm. I do like... I mentioned before I had that climactic event. Um, so I had to figure out how we would get there. So I did plot mm -hmm. it out, um, but I didn't plot it out well. <laughs> so uh, then I moved on to the writing process of just writing it and kind of letting the story go where it goes. Um, and I'm on the third draft now. So like after that first draft, um, it was shorter than it needed to be. And there were a lot of like just plot issues with it. Um, so then I right. took a break and replotted it um, and then moved into my second draft. Um, and now I'm still replotting like that last third of it to get it um, as tight as possible. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's sort of a uh kind of you just go back and forth or I go back and forth of uh, between plotting and writing plotting and writing right yeah well that's all part of the process uh do you, I know you said earlier that you read an awful lot of different genres I was wondering where is there anybody in the uh, crime fiction community that you read now that you're writing a crime fiction novel of your own to draw inspiration um I Unfortunately, I think it's probably bad for my career. I'm much more of a backlist reader. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm not reading a lot of front list titles, but I uh, like in between my second and third draft, I started reading Nikki Baker, who she also has um, a black queer detective in the Midwest and it's set in the mm -hmm. late 80s early 90s and it's just so much fun like it's just a really great right. fun time um, but I guess current uh, ones that I'm reading now would be um, El Casimano the Finley Donovan series I read that for like the humor and how she how she treats her dark dark themes with a lot of humor um, right and then there have been a few others. There's one in my, um, actually in my writing group right now, um, Paul Ardoin, Paul Austin Ardoin, I think um, is his okay. full author name. Um, and he has a book about um, a coroner who's a detective and that's been oh. like a great, and it's so, it's so tightly plotted. So I, I'm definitely taking inspiration from him, like moving forward with other books. Um, but yeah, there's, right. there's been a few out there. I've read the verifiers recently. Um, I've been reading a lot of like the queer mysteries that have popped um, recently, um, just to right. see what they're, what they're all about. <laughs> right. Well, and it sounds like that's important for you to be able to do that. You know, it, you don't have to necessarily scan the New York Times bestseller mm -hmm. list for some great books and some inspiration because there's plenty of it out there with some writers 
that may not get that kind of uh, acknowledgement in their career. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm I'm always more interested in sort of the the backlist reads, the cult reads, the underdogs, underappreciated stories, because mm -hmm. I think sometimes you find like gems where they they speak to you and they may not speak to everyone, but they're specific. So um, yeah, and as long as they speak to you, that's the yeah. big important thing. So you're you're doing the uh, the third draft of it now. Do you have um, a timetable in the back of your mind as to when you think you're going to have a finished product and what's your plan to uh, go on toward publication? Yeah, yeah. So um, the third draft, I have to get it done by the end of this month. I just have to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I'm planning to, to have uh, it completely done um, by the end of September so that I can start querying in October. Okay. Good. Yeah. That's good to have a plan too, because yeah. a lot of people and myself included fell in love with their uh, first book and they just redrafted and redrafted as an excuse not to submit. So it's good that you have yourself on a, a schedule and, and you have definable goals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it took me a long time to get to that point though. So like the mm. first idea for this book came about five years ago. So it took a long time to get to the point where I was turning out pages consistently and making progress consistently and getting the feedback and implementing it and all of that stuff. Right, yeah. Well, it definitely takes a lot of courage to be able to show your stuff to anybody, much less a critique group like you have, and then submit it for a major award. So you deserve a lot of credit for that. And I'm sure it's given you confidence in your storytelling ability that's going to appear in your work. I would imagine you feel the same way. Yeah, well, I I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I think it I think it is validating to to have the recognition, but I think you still run into like just this past couple of weeks, I've been spending, you know, two weeks revising one chapter to to get it right. right. It still like takes the time and sometimes things trip you up. Um, but mm -hmm. It definitely is validating to have the recognition and I just hope I can I can push it across the finish line essentially. Sure well you've got a, also a great support system in um, Sisters in Crime and also in Crime Writers of Color those are two really great organizations that do a lot to help their members so I'm sure they're going to be instrumental in your success. Yeah yeah I definitely think so um Sisters in Crime has been really great. Um, I've also, I'm also a member of Mystery Writers of America. Um, okay. Milwaukee, I actually, the critique group that I'm a part of, it's a branch of Just Write Milwaukee, which I'm the organizer of. And that's a okay. group of writers that we meet up um, multiple times a week just to sit down and write together. And mm -hmm. it's such a supportive group. So I don't know. That's like the thing I've found the most value in in my writing journey is like the community aspect of it um, and and finding those people that will support you and cheer you on. Um, and it's been and, and understand your plight, too. Because, yeah, uh, yeah. Telling exactly. a story is not always as easy as people who don't do it think it is. Yeah, yeah. So it's always great having people you can vent to and get advice from and and all of that. So. Right, right. And so in the future, what is the best way that people can follow what promises to be an incredibly uh, fast rising career? Uh, are you on social media? Do you have a website? 
things I like that. I am on social media and I actually just forgot my Twitter name. Let's see. What it is. <laughs> <laughs> if you search for Nicole Pruitt on Twitter, I think I'll, I'll, you'll find me. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm on Twitter for now. And you can also find me at NicolePruitt.com. That has all of my social information and like a blurb about the book and all of that. And your querying journey as well, how yes. you're, uh, you're, you're managing that and navigating those difficult waters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited well, been... to go through that. Yeah, it is. Well, it's, it's, it's definitely in a, a good start to what's promising to be a really great journey for you. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to the audience about where you are in your career and uh, how it's off to such a great start. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, thank you for being here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another edition of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes right here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thank you very much for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. You have been listening to Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes with host Terrence McCauley on Authors on the Air Global Radio Network.